This is going to be the spark that ignites the fire of our top 10 2017 movies. That's right. That's a Last Jedi reference. Get over it, haters. Um, Jess and I are going to be doing our top 10 movies of 2017. We're going to break this up into two episodes. And so get ready to hear our number 10 through number 6 on episode 48 of the podcast. Cue the music. Welcome, everyone, to the New Tampa Bay Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Prosek. And I'm your other host, Jessica Quaz. You're more than just the other host, Jess. You're, you're a valued I'm the, host. I'm the very valued co-host, Jessica Quaz. <laughs> <laughs> Not even co-host. We're both hosts. We're I don't, both I, hosts. Equal hosts. Equality. Equally not paid. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We, we get paid the same. Nothing. We get paid the exact same. We're so equal on the show. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> like we said in the opening, it's uh, it's still uh, the beginning of 2018, and we figure what better way uh, than to wrap up 2017 with our top 10 lists. And instead of giving you a super long episode which if you guys have heard other top tens of this podcast it, it's very uh, they get kind of over bloated we have to go over like 10 to 20 different movies it's a lot so jess and i we're gonna keep it short keep it snappy number 10 through 6 and then episode next episode episode 49 we'll do our number five through number one so uh yeah jess it's been an interesting last uh, month or so how you feeling <laughs> Oh, I am much better. It interesting is not the word I would use. For us. <laughs> after the, well, after the holidays, holidays were fun, and then the holidays for me were followed up by being very sick for like two weeks. So uh, rough, rough two weeks, but uh, much better. And uh, hopefully, like everyone else who was hit with the flu this season, my energy's back up. And I'm here. I apologize for being so late with recording this episode. That's totally my bad. But I was sort of dying. So but now we're both okay. And and 2018 minus my immune system turning on me has been really good. Yes. Um, I especially feel bad because I, I'm, I've been feeling pretty good in 2018. I, I've been sticking to my resolution. Um, I'm getting seven hours of sleep opposed to about four, which I had been doing for the last like eight years of like three, four hours of sleep. Um, <laughs> I'm also dieting. I am working out. I've lost eight pounds. I, uh, I'm actually feeling good during the day and my eyes don't hurt all day. So I was like, man, I feel bad. Just as like <laughs> getting hit with the flu, which I had the flu back around Thanksgiving. And now I'm like feeling especially great. So like, I feel bad because <laughs> she's <laughs> at such some... a low and I'm at such a high. <laughs> Our healths have been polar opposites. I have not, I don't think I've, I think I've went to the gym once this year so far <laughs> because I've just been dying, but you, you look good. You sound good. So I think your your positivity and your newfound diet and workout and sleeping right is going to rub off on me. I could use some of that. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's funny. People have been telling me for like eight years to get more sleep, and I'm like, nonsense. And now I'm like, whoa, hey, that works. Uh, <laughs> it does. But, sleep uh, always helps. Yeah, I am feeling good. And yeah, the, the last couple episodes, we apologize, have been a little wonky. Disaster Artist is weird. We actually recorded that before Star Wars, but we wanted to release Star Wars right away. And then we released Disaster Artist, and then Jess has been sick. And so we're kind of like, what do we do? What do we even talk about? But we figured we had to do a top 10 of 2017. And Jess, would you like to announce we decided what we're doing for our 50th episode coming up in a soon uh, what we'd like to do for that yes so our 50th episode this is a big deal i mean i'm i'm still pretty new here but you've been doing 50 episodes so we gotta <laughs> celebrate it in a big way so we've decided to do our all-time favorite movies 
which is a big deal for me because I've never actually ranked my all-time favorite movies, and I don't even have a top five list, really, so I've been thinking about this for quite a while. I've been really working on this episode already. Yes, and Deep Cuts, those who have been with us since the beginning or likes to go back and watch podcasts from the, or watch, listen to podcasts from the beginning, episode two, me and Kelly did our top 10 list, but that was February of 2000, like February, March of 2016. Now it's beginning of 2018. And, um, you know, tastes change. I wouldn't say I hate some movies or I love some movies more, but uh, I'm going to be redoing my list. I shuffled the deck a little bit, and uh, we wanted to hear Jess's list, too. So a lot of ranking episodes coming up. Hopefully you guys like ranking, um, because that's what we're going to be doing for the next few episodes. We got our 10 through 6 of 2017, our 5 through 1, and then we're going to give you our 10 of all time, like Jess said, for our 50th episode. And then we'll be coming up on our two-year two-year podcast podcast anniversary which is so strange um (laughs) lots have changed but uh, i think we are hitting a new groove i i just want to thank our listeners uh the last handful of months like three four months we've had some of the most downloads and listens of the last two years and i have to think it's probably has a little something to do with the co-host that came along a few months ago um (laughs) she's always Blasting us on social media to listen and hashtagging it up. <laughs> Hashtag it up. Well, you know, I, I love doing this. I think this is so much fun. And, um, I you know, but it's also the listeners out there. Like, they're the ones that are listening and downloading to us. So thank you guys for hearing, listened, sorry, thank you guys for listening to what we have to say and sharing your opinions as well. Um, I want to hear like what your favorite movies of 2017 were because there were so many favorites. Um, so yeah, thank you guys for sticking it through, and I'm really glad I was asked to be brought on, and I I hope to be here for the third year mark. Yeah, definitely. Um, like you said, this is a lot of fun to do, but we want to hear some more. Uh, we want to we want to keep the the podcast reviews, the comments. We get, send us some emails: entertainmentbuffet at gmail dot com. Tweet at Jess. Tweet at me. And uh, get more in the conversation with these top ten lists. Are you? Do you totally agree? Do you have your own top ten? Let's discuss it. Um, we want to get more involved. We want to. We want to be doing episodes of things you guys want to hear. Obviously, we're, we have plenty of stuff we want to talk about. But if there's some subjects you're like, hey, why aren't you covering this? Let us know, and we can totally bring it up on the podcast. So uh, let's just do a real quick, Jess. What are just a couple, couple of recent things on TV you've been watching? So I had just discovered um, two comedies. Uh, one is CBS, which I know you feel how I feel about CBS comedies, which is they're usually rough. But this one is actually incredible, and I think you would actually really like it. Uh-oh. It's called Life in Pieces. The first season's on Netflix. It's really interesting because it's a family comedy, but um, it's told through four different stories in one episode, and each one focuses on a different family member. And since it's one big family, like all the stories intertwine, and it's really is really fresh and is really different. Um, it's something so different for CBS. I could not believe it was a CBS comedy. I just started watching it because it's on Netflix. And then I just also discovered The Good Place, which is NBC. Um, I again found that on Netflix. One of my friends recommended it to me, and it's hilarious. The writing is really really great. Awesome. Yeah, I've heard good things about The Good Place because uh, I believe that's Michael Schur. I think he's someone who was a writer, and I think he played Moe's in The Office. I think he's dabbled in working in Parks and Rec, maybe some Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So definitely a guy who knows what he's doing. I haven't heard of the CBS one, and uh, I'm glad you enjoy it. I just personally don't want to support CBS. hate to say it. <laughs> I know. I know. I know how you feel, and I usually agree with you, but this one's actually really good. But it's not just their shows. It's There's a lot of... A lot of sort of racist, sexist things they do with a lot of their actors and and talent. But that's a whole other episode we could talk about. Um, (laughs) But no, I'm glad you found a show you enjoy. I'm not going to I'm not going to rain on your parade. I'm happy for you. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's weird. I'm actually haven't been watching that much TV lately. Um, Still like a Twilight Zone episode here and there. I picked up a couple episodes of Black Mirror. 
Um, I've been trying to not binge that because those episodes can be real fucked up. And sometimes I'm like, whew, I maybe can't watch this right before bed. Um, <laughs> I'm still on season two, working my way through. But those are some recent TV things I've been watching. Yeah, Jess, let's not waste any more time. Let's get right into our honorable mentions. What are like a couple few movies that maybe... A week ago, made your list, didn't make your list. They're just barely not in that 10 spot. Well, yeah. I mean, there were so many amazing movies this year. Um, and of all kinds, too. We had comedies, big blockbusters, indies. So it was really, really hard for me to craft this top 10. Um, so a few that were very close to making the list, but ultimately didn't just because there were movies that were better than them, not because they were lesser movies. Um, Thor Ragnarok. Uh, Blade Runner 2049, It Comes at Night, Lady Bird, and It. Um, so I, I have a few, like you said, I, I, I like that there's a range of both comedy, um, big blockbuster movies, and also smaller movies. Uh, a few movies that just barely didn't make my list. One is War for the Planet of the Apes. I still believe that Andy Serkis should get some award nominations for his performance. I know it's motion capture, but if you see the movie, you'll be like, oh, Holy shit. Um, another summer blockbuster, Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, that was a movie that very almost ugh, so close didn't make my top ten. One of the most fun I had in the theater. Uh, but just some better ones that came out. And then one that it's silly. And I know a lot of people probably think it's crap. But I loved Free Fire. Have you heard of Free Fire, Jess? I've heard of it. I didn't get to see it, though. The entire movie is a shootout. It's, it's <laughs> like, it's, it literally, like, the first, like, 20 minutes, it sets everything up, and then the other, like, hour and 10 minutes is a big shootout. It has Allison Brie, or no, not Allison Brie, it has Brie Larson, Army Hammer, who, like, I'm glad that now he's getting recognition for, like, that Call Me My... Call Me By Your Name movie, but he was awesome in Free Fire. Charto Copley, uh, Killian Murphy, Free Fire, hilarious movie. I loved the way it was handled. Dark comedy. So, yeah, also, just barely didn't make my top ten. But, uh... I'm really surprised Spider-Man Homecoming is not in your top ten. I know. I was know. definitely expecting that to be in top ten. I know. There was there was definitely times where it was in there, and then there was just some other ones that I'm like, eh, just kind of nudged it, nudged it into, like, the 11 spot. Um, but uh, still loved it. Still bought it. You know, still, it's still a really fun movie. But, uh, and then real quick, before we get into our number 10s, were there a couple movies that you didn't get to see that you could see making your top 10? Um, like, or just, like, ones you want to mention that you never got to see? Yeah, I mean, there are a few, like, there really are so many good movies this year, it's, or in 2017, that it was, like, almost unfair for someone like you and me who love to watch movies, because I just didn't have enough money to go to the theater, you know? Um, <laughs> but movies that I did not get to see, but really want to, and I assume I'll end up really liking, um, I did not get to see The Post, uh, Molly's Game, Coco, or Ingrid Goes West. Um, those were movies that like really interested me, and I just never got around to seeing them. So if I do, I will let you know if my top ten has changed afterwards. But yeah, those were the ones I was kind of disappointed I didn't get to see before we recorded. I agree on one of those. I, I did not get to see the post either. I, I was... It was one that I was literally trying to cram it in, but I just didn't have it in my schedule. Um, I also didn't see Coco. I wanted to see The Darkest Hour. Um, plenty of other ones that I'm just drawing a blank at the moment. But, uh, yeah, uh, like you said, lots of good movies. It's so weird. 2016, I could barely come up with a top five that I felt was, like, worthy of five. And now, like, we, we could probably make a top 25 and still have issues. <laughs> Oh, totally. I know 2016 was such a rough year for movies. Like, I couldn't even tell you what were five movies I even liked that much. But this year, like, I I love so many different movies. And they're all so unique and different. And, like, just different forms of storytelling and different type of characters. Like, it was a really, really rich movie year, which was really exciting because we needed that after 2016. Yes. So, uh, without further ado... Jess, shall we kick it off? What is your number 10? 
So my number 10 was one that I did not even think of until today. Like, it just completely escaped my mind. So then it changed my top 10. Uh, number 10 is Wind River. Ah, that's one I didn't get to see. Damn it. Oh, you still didn't get to see it? No, and I think it probably oh. would have made mine too. It's Well, it came out around the summer. So when I was making this list, you know... I was just thinking about a lot of movies I'd seen in theaters recently, and I, like, completely forgot about Wind River. And then I was actually, shout out to my mom, I was telling my mom my top ten, and she was like, oh my gosh, I'm so surprised Wind River wasn't on there. And I was like, hold up, mom, this is why you had me as your daughter, thank you, (laughs) coming in, saving the day, so duh, Wind River is so good. And I'm, I'm a little disappointed because it did come out, so, like early in the awards season buzz, it kind of got forgotten yeah. about, I felt like. But I think it's a movie that was really deserving to get some sort of recognition, at least Elizabeth Olsen or Jeremy Renner. They were both really great. Or Taylor Sheridan's writing, I think he's impeccable. Um, he's really become one of my like most recent favorite filmmakers. Um, and this was you know just as powerful and amazing as his other movies. Um, I think for me, why I loved it so much is because I I do like true crime movies. I do like like mystery, murder, thriller, which is very much was. But they did it in such a different way in that Taylor Sheridan's script was uh, just almost like a new take on t- true crime with it being in a Native American reservation and a Native American woman involved. Um, so I think that sort of elevated the story even more to, like, typical murder mystery. Um, and the script itself, like, is just so chilling. And the way it's written is so haunting. And so it's a movie that kind of sticks with you, too, that you think about. And you sort of think about that and injustices that happen in real life. And so it was just overall a really amazing movie. Damn. I am upset I didn't see it. I, yeah... Taylor Sheridan, for those who don't know, he wrote Sicario, he wrote Hell or High Water, and then he wrote, and this was his first direction, uh, directing movie. So yeah, um, damn, I, <laughs> I really wanted to see it, and I have a feeling uh, if we were to update our top tens later on, um, it, it would get there once I see it. But um, So my number ten is a movie that I didn't get to see in theaters, um, but I later saw on HBO and absolutely loved it. Um, John Wick Chapter 2. Some people are like, isn't that just a dumb action movie? It's like, in some ways, but also it is, like, way smarter writing than it should be. Like, (laughs) Like, the thing I loved about I... Everyone was telling me, I only just saw John Wick, like, a day before I saw John Wick Chapter 2. Like, I had not seen it for years. And everyone's like, Brandon, I know your taste. You would love this movie. And I'm like, okay. And when I saw the first one, I was like, that was awesome. Then I saw the second one, and I was wondering, I was like, is it not going to be as good? A lot of sequels try to outdo the first one, and then they become too ridiculous. But this one outdid the first one. But, like, in a good way. Like, there's some insane number of, like, little things of world building for this little underground assassin world that Keanu Reeves' John Wick takes, like, is a part of. And I just think that action movies nowadays can, like, they could be CGI crap fests. Like, we got the Transformers. We got Pirates 5. We got uh, just all these movies that... I mean, like Suicide Squad last year or even Justice League, these movies that are just full of CGI and green screens. But John Wick, they have stuntmen, they have choreography, they teach uh, Keanu Reeves how to shoot and fight. And uh, it's just, it's so much fun. It it was like a blast. And as soon as I saw it, I wanted to go buy it. Um, I haven't yet because I'm just, uh, you know, I've I've spent enough money on movies lately. (laughs) But it is one that, like, I was like, holy crap, I cannot wait for John Wick Chapter 3. Yeah, did you see John Wick Chapter 2, Jess? I saw the first one. I didn't get to see Chapter 2, though. Oh, you got to see Chapter 2. Like, it's, like I said, it's so rare for action movies to up the first one 
but not get to too ridiculous territory. Like it still felt like the same kind of gritty fight sequences where you see everything. And even like one of my favorite movies of all time, Dark Knight, Christopher Nolan and the editors would edit around all the action. And these directors are like, no, we're going to show you all the action because that's what you want to see. So, yeah, John Wick, Chapter 2 is my number 10. Jess, what is your number 9? Okay, my number 9 I actually just discovered the other day. Um, It's called The Girl with All the Gifts. Have you heard about this movie? I have not. Okay, um, I had heard very little about it, and then I finally like got to watching it on Amazon Prime, and I loved it. Um, so this one is like kind of cheating, but it's my list, so <laughs> I say how it goes. Why um, do you say it, cheating? Well, because it was released in other parts of the world in 2016, but it didn't have its U.S. release until 2017. Well, America's what matters. No, I'm just kidding. We are number one. So for me and my country, this was a 2017 movie. Um, But you were actually, you were just bringing up Black Mirror. Um, Did you see the Black Museum episode in season four? No, I'm only going in order. I'm still on uh, uh, season two. Okay, well, season four has this amazing episode called Black Museum. You're really going to like it. It's, it's really great. The director of that directed this movie. So it has, like, a very sci-fi feel to it. Um, and it's, it's kind of complex, so just bear with me while I describe it real quick. Um, so basically, <laughs> humanity has been ravaged by this disease, which is sort of like like a zombie virus kind of disease. It's pretty, I mean, zombies are the closest thing you can compare it to, although they never call them zombies. And it's not the walking dead, It's but they're zombies. And um, there's a small group of children who, while they were in their mother's wombs, their moms got infected, okay? And, yeah, and so they come out, like they, I don't want to get into detail, but when they come out, I was gonna they say. come out <laughs> as these human zombie things like so they're like a hybrid of regular humans with a touch of the virus and so they eat people and they get crazy but they are contained and can communicate and function like a regular human being like they're very alive and these kids are like like five to ten like they're very young because this is all a dystopia that's been built and um it this the movie itself follows a group of government workers who try to protect this one young girl who may or may not be the key to humanity with, like, uh, an anecdote or whatever. Anyway, it's it's (laughs) really good. Like, I know that that doesn't sound like your top ten type of movies. In general, people don't put weird sci-fi movies, but it's great. It's it's unbelievable, and it, it goes in directions you wouldn't think it would go, like a typical movie like that. Um... It stars Glenn Close. She plays this, like, badass scientist. Um, it's very much like... Have you ever seen Children of Men? Yes. It's very much like that. It has that sort of vibe to it. And that, like, it's the not-so-distant future, so it feels like it could be, like, the real world. And humanity is at a downfall, and it's at, like, a really crucial moment on where it could go. And it all depends on this little girl who also is sort of a zombie. It's so good. If you have Amazon Prime, please see it. It's amazing. And, and you said, what is this called again? The Girl with All the Gifts. Okay. Interesting. Gifts. gifts not like the internet gifts. The gifts. <laughs> like presents. Because she's got a lot of qualities to her. I like how you have to distinguish <laughs> the children with all the gifts. Gifts. I didn't enunciate the T too well the first time around, so I just wanted to make it clear. It's gifts. Everyone's just looking for the, the children with all the gifts, like GIF. <laughs> What's this that's, internet movie? What? That, that sounds really interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah. It is. It's really interesting. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, and uh, out of the left field, I did not think that that would be... Even I'm, because I've never heard of it, so yeah. I'm me, s- I mean, me neither. Like I, like I just watched it like two or three days ago, just to watch it. I already had my top ten list, at least I thought I did, and then I watched <laughs> it and was mind blown, and it had to go on there. Um, it's just 
It's like the typical. It's like basically it's like a new take on a a zombie apocalyptic type of film, but it goes in a really fresh and different direction that it feels new. Um, and the characters are, are really dynamic. There's also a lot of really badass female characters in it. And it just, yeah, it just goes in a way that I never thought it would. So it, it always kept me engaged and on my toes and actually made me think, too, about um, morality and humanity and all those heavy things that come up when the apocalypse happens. So my number nine is one that I just saw last week, and I wasn't sure if it was going to make the top ten, but that is I, Tanya. Um, this is one that, uh, yeah, it, like, I knew I wanted to see it with award season coming up because I love Margot Robbie. Um, I love Allison Janney from West Wing, but, um, I was like, yeah, man, this looks okay. Like, am I going to like it though? Who knows? And I actually really liked it. They did some interesting stuff with the script. Like, they would break the fourth wall and also kind of do, I think, what's the thing they call it in, like, literature? Like, the unreliable narrator kind of thing where, like, they're going off these interviews where you're like, who do you believe? And uh, fantastic performance from Margot Robbie. Um, Deserves to be nominated for all the awards. Maybe not win. But I wouldn't be upset if she did win. And then Allison Janney, it's like, yeah, I also know why she's getting all the supporting actress uh, nominations. Totally makes sense. Um, and then, like, the reason I I realized it should make my top ten was because there was really only, to me, like, one flaw with the movie. Like, and this was one that was sort of pointed out to me. And then once I saw it, I couldn't unsee it. And that was... The movie had a little bit of an issue when there were the ice skating sequences. They would try to CGI Margot Robbie's face onto mm. the professional ice skater. But then oh, I yeah. real, but then I looked <laughs> I up. Definitely noticed that the movie only had a budget of eleven million, so it's not the worst thing in the world. My thing is like, all right, they should have made a directing choice. Like let's just always shoot from like the back of her head or we'll do these wide angles. We'll do close up on the skates, you know, do, and they did for a lot of it, but like there was just some really like, they would try to do these back shots where like she's skating backwards and you could totally like see it kind of jiggling a little. Um, (laughs) uh, I know this is like very technical, but it once you see it, it's hard to not see it. It was hard to not cringe during some of the parts. And that's one of those things that, like, think about it, guys. Tanya Harding, when she was doing that shit, she'd been training since she was four. Like, did anyone honestly believe that Margot Robbie was going to be doing some of the tricks she was going to be doing? Like, just put in, like, the stunt person and, like, let, just movie magic. Look, it's her. Well, you know what that's I mean? even hard to do because no one, not not one person in America has successfully done the triple axel that Tanya Hardy's doing. She still holds that record. So I thought she was just the, the first. No, she's still the only. She's the first and only woman to, like, actually have that done. So there, So I'll give them that, like... If they wanted someone to do a triple axel, they'd have to have, like, you know, some, like, foreign Olympia that does not look anything like Tanya Harding. Like, a little Asian woman doing it? That couldn't work. So, for that one, I get. But, no, I'm with you. Like, there were some moments where it really took me out of it, seeing that. Um, It was a little cringeworthy at times. But, um... But that's, like, the only flaw, right? It is. Uh, Yeah, it's the only complaint I have. And even that complaint is forgivable. Because, like, what what could they have done? Gotten the real Tanya Harding out there? No, she's a chain smoker now. She can't do a triple axel anymore. Like, no. Yeah, or just, like, Um, show, like, the archive footage where it was, like, filmed in the 90s. You know, like... So, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, that is something that it did not by any means ruin the movie for me. But like it's 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 not perfect, and that's uh, there are just some other movies on this list that I liked more. But this is by no means, like I said, a bad movie just because there's some CGI problems. I mean, eleven million, sure, that's a lot of money. But just so you know, guys, when you see like superhero movies with CGI or stuff like that that looks good, that's because they have a budget of a hundred, two hundred, three hundred million. You know, so for this movie to have ten million, yet they had Margot Robbie, Sebastian Stan, Allison Janney. All these like big actors for like eleven million. It's not the worst thing in the world to just have a couple scenes where the CGI isn't the best. I agree. Um, I'm not going to comment any further because I 
also have this movie in my top ten, and I'll talk about it then. All right. So, Jess, what is your number eight? My number eight is The Shape of Water by Guillermo del Toro. Um, I am actually not a huge fantasy kind of movie person. I love sci-fi. I love horror. But I'm not really into fantasy. And this, I guess, would be considered like a fantasy movie. Um, But it's way more complex than that, I think. Uh, Everything about this movie is beautiful. Like, the cinematography is unbelievable. Every shot looks like a moving oil painting. It's so pretty. Um, so for that reason alone, I was so into this movie. But um, it's also incredibly unique. The story is so different. Um, it's, for those of you who don't know, a mute woman who works at a government lab as a janitor falls in love with one of the monsters who's the species that's being studied at this lab. And this is like um, takes place it, during like the Cold War, right? Like the 50s? Yes, it, it, so it's, yes, so it's a period piece to it. And so, yeah, it takes place in a time where... Um, I mean, that the Cold War actually does come into play with the plot because American scientists want to figure out this monster before the Russians get a hold of it, and so that kind of escalates the plot further. Um, it's... It's really great, and it's, I, I've never really seen a movie like it. Um, when I first saw the trailer, I was a little weirded out by the weird sort of bestiality undertones, I guess we'll just say it. Um, but I loved Guillermo del Toro, so I saw it opening weekend anyway, and I bought it. Like, I, I found myself rooting for this really odd couple to be together <laughs> and for them to be happy and in love and, like, fuck society, do what you want. But, like... <laughs> <laughs> but that's part of the movie is like it's such a great movie and the acting is so well done and that it's also believable like I believe this woman's in love with this monster thing and he loves her and they're fine it's great um the acting is think, so amazing so, do you think hmm? Guillermo del Toro wants to fuck a fish <laughs> well I've never met the man so I don't no, I don't know. I don't think so. I would like to say no. We'll just say no. I don't know. But I don't know. Um, I don't know. I I for sure don't. Like it wasn't like I saw this movie and I was like, oh, that's why my love life is atrocious. Oh. I haven't been wanting to be with fish. <laughs> like now my problems are solved. No, no, no. That did not happen. I don't condone bestiality. Nope. But um. It's a great, great, it's a great movie, and the acting is amazing. It deserves every Oscar nomination. I think that Guillermo del Toro should win for best directing at the Oscars. He won at the Golden Globes. I think he totally deserves it because, like I said, this movie looks really? beautiful. Yes, absolutely. I, I totally think he deserves it. Hundred percent, no question. Um, I just think that it's so unique and it's so different. And he asks for such a suspension of disbelief, but in a way that you you understand it like you you're you're into the story you totally get it like yeah monster love 100 percent sure um and the performance he got out of his actors were amazing sally hawkins is 100 percent believable as a mute woman like completely utterly believable and she gives the character so much heart too and, and she feels so complex that you almost forget she's not even talking throughout the whole movie um completely like you just are so drawn by her um and then the supporting roles were amazing richard jenkins as her best friend is so hilarious and so heartfelt at the same time michael shannon my man michael shannon is so creepy he's so evil in this he's so good and then octavia spencer is just more than like a comedic relief she's a really great supporting role and just the whole honestly i don't really have much of a complaint about this movie at all. Um, like I said, I think my my only personal complaint is that like I'm not a big fantasy fan anyway, so that's probably why this movie isn't higher on my list. But just all the pieces of it were just so impeccable and so pretty and so beautiful and just a really nice story, too, that all came together in this masterpiece, I think. Well, um, I'm glad it's good. That is also a movie I did not get to see, um, and I wouldn't doubt if, based on what you're saying, it could possibly be on my top ten as well. 
Um, yeah, I was very surprised when Guillermo del Toro won Best Director. I thought it would be pretty simple that Christopher Nolan would be getting a lot of the Best Director stuff for Dunkirk, which, honorable mention, great movie, but uh, just wasn't my personal favorite to make my top ten. But, uh, yeah, I'm glad to hear Shape of Water is good. Because, yeah, I remember seeing the trailer for that like a long time ago and being like, wait, what? Is she going to fall in love with this fish guy? Um, but, like, <laughs> the thing is, like, as a writer, I just appreciate that it's original. I appreciate it that it's, you know, they've got these serious actors and they came up with this situation that it takes place during the Cold War and all these things. Like, it just feels original, which is a rare thing nowadays. I'll move on. Moving on to my number eight. Um, this is a movie that, honestly, I could see it moving up. On my list, but I, I I felt kind of comfortable where it is right now. Um, Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Wow, interesting. I th- you did. I, th- I thought I'd be higher. Okay, okay. I mean, that doesn't mean I don't like the movie. I mean, it's still in my top ten, and I, I'm probably going to rewatch it a ton of times. It's just what I tried to do with my list was like. Movies based on like how many not I don't want to say flaws that they had, but just like um like when you're looking at pros and cons on a list, which like theoretically wouldn't that mean like Ein Tanya would be towards the top because we only discussed one flaw. But it's just also has to do with enjoyability. Star Wars, I love Star Wars, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. But even though like we discussed in episode forty six of the podcast, um uh, so we won't go too in depth on that. If you'd like to hear our discussion, please listen to episode 46. Um, it's been out for well over a month now, so I'm sure you've seen it, but, uh, it it has some fantastic stuff. It has some of my probably favorite scenes in the entire star Wars franchise, but also there's some stuff that's a bit on the weaker side. And so that's why I had to put it lower. And I think you'll see once I get to my number seven and my number six, that uh, those being non-franchise movies and uh, one of them being original. And you'll kind of see that as we get further in our lists that like, I just, just had to put star Wars a little bit towards the bottom just because, um, it had more flaws than some of these other movies, but I still love it. I don't want people to think I'm a hater. I am definitely, I'm a, I'm a last Jedi defender. Um, I feel like I'm always telling people to just to take their stick out of their ass and realize that these, that the movie was fun. <laughs> I agree. Um, I don't want to talk about it a whole lot either. Cause we did just have a whole, whole episode for one movie and yes. it's spoiler alert on my list too. So we'll talk about it a little bit more then. Um, but I get what you're saying, like, I'm just, because per- I know you and I know your movie taste, I'm surprised it's not higher, but like you said, I, I also know you don't hate it, it's, I, I'm also a Last Jedi defender, so I get you, uh, but yeah, I was just... I mean, I saw it twice opening night. Yeah, 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 I know you love it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> but, uh, like I said, I just had to break it down, I was like, okay, I have to put, like, the Star Wars nerd fandom aside for a second, and I need to actually criticize based on goods and bads. Um, but uh, so, Chess, what is your number seven? So this was a movie that I initially thought was going to be a lot higher, um, but then as I was thinking about all the movies I love this year, it actually kept going low and low and low. But like how you are with Star Wars, I absolutely loved this movie. It's amazing, but it is on my lower end. And that is three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Okay. Mm-hmm. I it's hard. It's honestly like like I don't have children, but I feel like choosing my favorite twenty seventeen movies is a lot like parents choosing their favorite child. You know? Because <laughs> they're all great. They are all so great. They're all so great. Um, but I, I absolutely love this movie. I really did. Um I don't know, there's just so many things, so many pieces about it that I really enjoyed. Again, like Wind River, I love true crime movies. I'm so into that genre. But but this movie, Three Billboards, felt like a totally different thing. Like, it didn't even at times feel like a true tr- a true crime drama. Um, and it was just, it, I just feel like that genre has been done to death, but this was such a fresh, interesting perspective on it. And I liked that it was also a little bit more realistic on justice in, in like, the real world. Because in movies, especially true crime, you get, like, that kind of cookie-cutter, 
okay, this guy was bad, this bad thing happened, and now someone's going to pay for this bad thing. And none of that formula is followed at all in this movie, which I also really enjoyed. Um, the writing is obviously amazing, and the acting, too. I think everyone, except for one person, and that's Abby Cornish, was amazing. Everyone was amazing, except for the, her. But anyway. With all fairness, um, she had, like, two scenes. <laughs> okay, but, like, both scenes, I was like, girl, you are not as good as even the girl from The Babysitter, who's John Hawk's girlfriend, was so much better. Like, what? Anyway, it's fine. I just felt, okay, here's my thing about Abby Cornish. I like her. She's fine. But in this movie, like... At times, I was getting so thrown off by her accent because she's Australian. Okay, how did Australian get to Ebbing, Missouri? Whatever, I don't care. That's fine. And then at times, she had her accent stronger, and then at times, it was weaker, and then at times, it didn't even sound Australian. It just sounded like a blanketed accent. I don't know. That's what threw me off, but that's really my only major complaint of the whole movie was Abby Cornish and, like... She's not going to ruin this movie. It's so amazing. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say bad about that movie was her unfortunate talking. Yeah. Um, uh, spoiler, it's going to be on my list. Uh, so I'm not going to talk too much about it. But like one thing I do want to say is after it won all the Golden Globes, I was so excited <laughs> just because Martin McDonough, um, for those who don't know, he was a apparently considered one of the best European playwrights of all time. Like he's a famous Irish playwright through the nineties and the early two thousands. And he's only, this is his third movie. He did in Bruges, seven psychopaths. And then this movie, um, go see in Bruges, go see seven psychopaths and go see three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. And just one thing I want to say it's been all of a sudden been getting this hate because a lot of people think the movie's racist and I'm sorry, the movie's not racist. It definitely deals with race-related things, but I think it also uh, like tries to bring some of those like into discussion. And um, I'm sorry, like things like racist, homophobic, sexist. A lot of people go to that extreme way too quickly. It's like no, maybe it had some bad sort of not the best race moments, but that doesn't make it racist. You, you know, Martin McDonough's not racist by any means. And, um, yeah. So like, I just wanted to say that like, if for some reason you're reading online about other people hating on it, don't listen to them. Like there's a reason why it's getting a lot of awards hype, um, is because it's good. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't even like, I didn't even see it as possibly racist until, out of nowhere, this backlash came about it. It does have race moments that deal with racism for sure, but and it doesn't do it in like a black or white way either. So it's not necessarily like this guy's racist. That means he's a bad person. It just shows the complexities of racism in a middle America a place like Missouri, um, and a, a character who was once racist in the movie without giving too much away, kind of evolves to better himself. So that that doesn't necessarily mean, oh, like, racists are okay, they're fine, we can all forgive them. No, like, this character was an asshole in many different ways, not just being a racist, he sucked for a lot of reasons, and then grows. And so I think that's great character growth in a script rather than this weird, like, racist, yeah like, accusations against the film. I didn't, I don't get that, and I don't see it, and I don't think... Again, like I said, it handles justice in America in a really real way. And sometimes that means dealing with assholes who have changed. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I, I totally agree with you. I think the racism thing that people are complaining about is non-existent, honestly. Yeah, and honestly, I think that's coming from some people who probably didn't see the movie. Or if they did, they only looked at the fact that like it, it takes place in this, like you said, middle America. And maybe they know people who are actually racist and that made them upset. And it's just... it. <sighs> It's one thing that I hate about now. Like, a lot of people are touchy-feely, and I understand based on things that are going on. We're not going to get into that. But don't hate on this movie just because it deals with race stuff. It is not racist. Um, but uh, let's, uh, like I said, I will get more into that movie when I approach it on my top ten. Uh, moving on to my number seven, Molly's Game. 
Um, Jess, you said you weren't able to check this out. No, I wasn't. I'm actually really jealous that you got to because I, you know, I love Eric Zirkin <laughs> and Jessica Chastain. That's such a winning duo. Yes. Yeah, so for those who have not heard of Aaron Sorkin, he's just probably one of the most famous screenwriters out there right now. Um, he did a little show called West Wing. Um, he uh, did Newsroom. He did uh, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. And then for the movies, he did A Few Good Men, which is one of my favorite of all time. He did Social Network. He did Moneyball, the Steve Jobs movie, The Good One, with Michael Fassbender, Jeff Daniels, and Seth Rogen, and Kate Winslet. He uh, has done so many great movies. And um, so this is the first movie that he directed. Um, he wrote it and directed it. And uh, like Jess said, it stars Jessica Chastain. It stars Idris Elba, Kevin Costner in for a little bit, and Michael Sarah, and uh, some other people. But wow, Jessica Chastain destroys this movie. She is like she can handle Sorkin dialogue, which for those who don't know, like what that means is he writes a lot of rapid fire monologue type dialogue that is sort of like theater esque because he used to write plays uh, a few good men was a play before it was a movie uh, and yeah so it's uh it's a movie that i'll admit it was not as good as i hoped but that's because i'm a huge sorkin fan so i kind of hyped it up a bit in my head um but like it deals with a lot of things that like i like like it um it deals with poker but you don't really need to know poker like it kind of will explain some parts if for some reason you're worried about that um, and also it's based on a true story about this Molly Bloom who was almost an Olympic level skier that used her brains and uh, basically was able to start this uh, underground poker game where she was making tons of money off of people. Uh, just a list of a couple celebrities who were actually involved in this poker game in real life. Uh, Toby Maguire. Leo DiCaprio, Ben Affleck, a bunch of other rich millionaire billionaires that were named later on. Um, but yeah, so this was all based off a book. Um, it, it is just a wild ride. I think Idris Elba also does a fantastic performance. But uh, yeah, I, I almost am sad that Jessica Chastain isn't quite getting enough praise for this movie because I think she does an incredible job. But um, like just said, it has a strong female character. And um, that's one thing that Sorkin kind of was said he was a little bit weak on. He had a lot of movies and shows with lots of male characters. But he was like, all right, here's this one. Just one of the badass, <laughs> intelligent female character. Um, so, yeah, Molly's Game, I really recommend it. Especially if you like Sorkin. It's got some Sorkinisms. And uh, he does a pretty good job directing. Uh, you would not tell that that's his, his first movie directing by this. The only flaw I could think of is it's, it's, it's a little long. It's like two hours and 20-some minutes, which, you know, I usually don't care about length. If a movie's good, it's good. But there was just some stuff that, honestly, if another director was there, probably would have shaved off. But it was Sorkin, so he's like, I'm just going to do what I wrote. <laughs> so, but I really recommend it's a smart movie. And honestly, it's a type of movie I feel like you don't see anymore. Like when I watch a Sorkin movie, I'm like, why, why does no one make movies like this anymore? <laughs> so Molly's Game. Definitely, definitely need to check it out. You sounded like me there for a minute talking about how Jessica Chastain doesn't get enough recognition. <laughs> I've been saying that for years. You know how much I love her. Do you finally understand why I love her so much now? I I never, you know, said that she wasn't <laughs> skilled. I just, I, I didn't see certain movies that she was, uh, you know, given a lot of credit for. Like, I haven't still haven't seen Zero Dark Thirty and things like that. Oh, that's a great one. I, I am, that's my queen. Honestly, best actress of all time, Jessica Chastain. I'm just going to say it. What's that? Next to her. Best actress of all time, Jessica Chastain. That's my opinion. I love her. I'm kind of obsessed. <laughs> it's whatever. So, Jess, we're down to the the end of our first episode of our top ten. What is your number six? You're going to be very surprised by my number six. Okay. What it's is it? The, the Emoji Movie. 
No, I'm just kidding. It's not. I was, was going to say, like, Jess, maybe we should talk about getting a different host. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you respect me enough to not totally go off on me just yet. You know what I mean? You no, were, I was you were, like this. You gave me a minute of silence. You, you should silence. have said a movie okay. that was, like, slightly better. <laughs> but uh, you said there is like, no other better movie than when Patrick Stewart literally plays poop. Okay, <laughs> he literally played poop. I haven't seen it, but that sounds like gold. <laughs> God. Okay, but for real, my number six is a little surprising, uh, but it's Wonder Woman. <laughs> a little surprise, not as surprising as the Emoji Movie, but still surprising for me because I. You know, I, I love summer blockbusters, but usually when I think of, like, my top of the year, I don't include a summer blockbuster, just by personal preference, but I loved Wonder Woman. Um, I know, I mean, you and I have talked about this movie before, so I don't want to do, like, too much on it, because we covered that in our summer movies. Um, but just in but, case, you know, like, you know, someone hasn't heard that, those discussions. Yes, we can, we don't have to get too into it, because I know how you feel about Wonder Woman, and it might upset me, but anyway... <laughs> I gotta tell you though, like honestly, like being a girl who has watched all these comic book movies and superhero movies and action movies, and I've loved them, like don't get me wrong, I love them. It's so different when you can actually see one where you completely relate to it, to the characters. Obviously, I'm not like an Amazonian woman, (laughs) I understand that, but like to see just a woman who goes through things that I go through or feels the same way about things that I do, be in a position of power like that and an ass kicker like that was so touching and so unbelievable and one of the most exciting experiences of movie going for me this year. Um, I got to tell you, too, I cried like a baby in the no man's land scene because it's such a a deep metaphor on what it's like to be a woman and just all these things. I, I just loved it so much. And um, personal feelings and personal feminist feelings aside, it's a really great action movie. It's a good superhero movie, too. Like we talked about, there are some issues in the third act, and you can't ignore that. It's not a perfect movie by any means. Um, but Diana's also a really fun protagonist to root for. She's a really fun hero to root for. Um, and it just was, again, really amazing to see not only the main character be a badass female but supporting characters too supporting characters supporting one another also um it's just i mean there's so many so many great movies ahead so many amazing female characters that we've been waiting for for years female audiences have been waiting for these kind of characters and wonder woman was just i think at the top in terms of like big movies for women and you know there's not one reason alone to love it but that definitely Gave it a big notch up there. Um, but yeah, I just, it's just, again, it's a fun movie and it's one I can see myself rewatching, you know, many times. I'm actually looking forward to coming on HBO now so I can like rewatch it again. And um, it just captured me and I'm excited to see where it goes. Plus, it's the only DC movie I will ever care about. That's for sure. Like, if it's that good that I can care about a DC movie, like, well, they've done good. recent DC movie. There's still The Dark Knight, Batman Begins. Okay, yes, I'm sorry. You're right, you're right. Recent. I'm talking, like, Man of Steel till now. Till, yeah. like, where we're going to go in the future with DC. You're right. You're right. I, I always kind of forget the Dark Knight series is clumped in... Th- I mean, I don't forget it's in the DC universe, but when I say DC movies, I'm talking about, like... The DC, shit piles they've just been giving us. DC Extended you know? Universe. Yeah. Yeah, the D what is it? DCEU yeah. or whatever? Yep. That. That's rough. And I, de- I mean, I did not see Justice League because I knew Wonder Woman couldn't save that movie. And like I will see Wonder Woman too though. And I just thought this was a really great franchise and it was honestly my favorite franchise of the year. Don't worry, Jess, I'm not gonna rain on your parade. Um and like maybe that maybe this will be a discussion when Wonder Woman two eventually comes out. I think Wonder Woman is a fine, okay, good movie. Like I, th- my my whole thing is I think there is nothing wrong with a movie just being good. I just think that there are some people that say it's the greatest superhero movie of all time, and then there's some people that say it's garbage. And I personally am like, hey, there's nothing wrong with being in the middle, guys. You, you know, like it's good. Can we, can it just be good? You know, does it need to be you, you know ninety seven percent or forty percent? 
<laughs> like mm-hmm. that's my whole thing is that that it's just there are such haters for it and then some people that are like no it's the the, the there's no flaws with it you, you know and I'm like okay that that's all that's all is and that's why like I said I'm not going to go deep into it we can always have uh another time where we do a big discussion on Wonder Woman maybe around when Wonder Woman 2 comes out I just think it's a good movie um I don't think it's top 10 worthy um, for me personally, but I'm not going to be upset that it's in your top ten by any means. Um, Good, I understand. That'd be a really weird thing to get upset about. I would. Well, no, but there are people that would though. Like, oh, I know, but I'm not friends with them. Like, I couldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that's too I. Much. That's way too much. <laughs> yeah, defend what we love. Don't fight what we hate. <laughs> exactly, and the world would be such a better place. Really, like, yes. You know? <laughs> But, yeah, no, like I said, I just personally uh, may disagree, but also then again, I'm not a female. So I, I've i had plenty of good superhero movies before uh, with male leads. But anyway, um, I know this movie's going to be on your top ten, and I have a feeling I could even predict where it is on yours, but it's my number six. Uh, my number six. Okay. My number six is Get Out. Yes, this is definitely on my top ten. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling I can predict where it's at. Um, but, yeah, this is a movie that I am upset that I didn't see it in theaters. This was back at a time when I wasn't watching movies in theaters by myself, and no one wanted to see it with me. Um, so I didn't see it until recently on HBO. And believe the hype, guys, if you haven't seen this movie Jordan Peele is a fantastic director and writer, and I think he recently came out and joke. He jokingly said that he may not act anymore; that he loves directing so much. Um, I think he made like a joke, like "Yeah, me and Daniel Day Lewis hanging it up." <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, the performances by Daniel Kaluuya, um, Allison Williams, Bradley Whitford, Catherine Keener. Even Caleb Jones, who was also in Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, it's just, it, there's not really any flaws with it. And, like, I know that means it's like, well, Brandon, shouldn't it be, like, towards the top? It's like, yeah, no, it has, I can't really talk anything bad about it. It just, there are some movies that I just liked better. That doesn't mean Get Out is bad by any means. I think everyone should see it. I own it. I had zero hesitation in, in buying it. But yeah, it is a fantastic movie. It's movies like this that it's like, God, the horror genre and like thriller genre and like things like this like can be good long as like someone who knows what they're doing is handling them, which Jordan Peele definitely knows what he's doing. I'm very interested to see what he does next because uh, this movie is just so original yet so timely and there's a there's twists there's turns there's intense stuff there's some funny parts um i had the pleasure of meeting the lil rel howley uh who plays kind of like the comedic friend to daniel coulier coulier i I don't know if i'm saying his name right um uh back when he this was back like 2015 he was doing some stand-up in chicago and i was interning at a comedy club and i met him super nice guy Hilarious! Every time he'd go up there and just bring the house down, and it was just so crazy that all of a sudden I'm just like, wait, he's on, you know, the Carmichael show, and then wait, he's in Get Out. Like, I'm just happy for this guy because he was a really nice person to uh, to meet. Um, but yeah, Get Out. I mean, if you haven't seen it, get out of here. Go see Get Out. Um, <laughs> I'm sure plenty of people have made that wordplay joke, but uh, <laughs> seriously. Uh, like I said, Jess, I have a feeling I know where it's on your list. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's good. And you, everyone should see this. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I'm going to say for now is I definitely a hundred percent agree. Yes. I love it. Yes. Yes. Great. (laughs) Okay. So that is our number 10. (laughs) That is our number 10 through six. Jess, do you want to give a quick wrap up? What were, what were your 10 through six again? Just rapid fire. Sure. Okay, I'll start from 6 through 10. Okay, so we can start from the top. Okay. 
Number six, Wonder Woman. Number seven, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Number eight, The Shape of Water. Number nine, The Girl with All the Gifts. And number ten, Wind River. Awesome. Yes. Uh, I like how we had a good mixture, too, of some films that were similar and um, others that were not. Um, My number six was Get Out. Number seven was Molly's Game. Number eight was Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. Number nine was I, Tanya. And number ten was John Wick Chapter 2. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. And I know some of you are probably like, what the fuck? Why am I? I'm going to have to wait through number five through one. But yeah, guys, look. This episode was still an hour, and we only did half of our list. Uh, it's much better if we spread it out, and um, you can listen to some shorter episodes opposed to, like, a two-and-a-half-hour episode. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of movies to talk about, and we didn't want to just, like, rush through them. Like you said, we would have, like, 20 movies to talk about in total in one episode. That's a lot. And there were a lot of really good movies and a lot of very different movies, too. So we had a lot of ground to cover. Yeah, Jess, uh, before we close out, would you like to give your LOL of the week? Yes. Um, Did you watch the SAG Awards the other day? Uh, I did not watch the the SAG Awards. I did not. You know what? You didn't miss a whole lot because it was pretty much the Golden Globes all over again. Whatever. It was fine. Um... But for those of you who did watch the SAG Awards, I think you'll find this really funny. Um, Paul F. Tompkins, hilarious comedian, had a tweet during the SAG Awards. When Frances McDormand dramatically started her speech with the word representation and then started talking about her agents, I laughed so hard that I am still laughing. So it was a really weird moment because Frances McDormand, love her. She's great in Three Billboards. She deserves to win. She's kind of a kooky woman. You know, we can say that. And so when she, like, won, she's kind of like her, her, like, I don't know how to describe it, like, in her tense sort of, like, way about carrying herself. And she just, like, looks at the podium and just, like, puts her award down. She's like, all right, I got a few things to say. Like, literally, that's how she starts it out. I got a few things to say. And you're like, oh, shit, this is going to get heavy. Whoa. And she goes, representation. And, you know, we've had such a woke award season. <laughs> you think representation, you're thinking, like, you know, females, people of color, transgender, people in movies. We got to get... No, no, no. You even heard someone go, whoa, after she said representation. She didn't mean that kind of representation. She meant, like, her agents and her managers, the people who represent her in business. So she was like, <laughs> representation. Blah, 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 blah. And here's mine. Paul, John, thank you guys. Yes. And it was just like, oh, that's that's not what I thought where that was going. All right. I mean, okay. <laughs> God. Um, yeah, I will have to see some highlights of that. Um, my LO of the week is a tweet from uh, Kumail Nanjiani. Um he was the writer and star of the movie The Big Sick. Um, he's a comedian. He's on Silicon Valley on HBO. Um, he's just hilarious to follow on Twitter. And I love comedians like him where they'll just do random thoughts that, like, it's not, like, about anything. It's just a random comedic thought. He said, we just walk around pretending it's not weird that one of our hands is better at stuff than the other. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, but it's just like, um, I don't know, like such a simple thought. But uh, yeah, it, that is weird. Why, why, why do we have one hand that is amazing at everything and the other one is just kind of there for support? Like, whereas, like, and why do we act like none of us have the same thing? We all act like it's not. Weird, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like animals. Like, we just don't even talk about it. <laughs> like fucking monkeys can like use their hands and their feet as like four different hands, and we're just like ah, one one's good at stuff. <laughs> <laughs> How do I write things? <laughs> yes. So uh, <laughs> yeah, shout out to Kamal Nanjiani. Um, not that I think he needs any help with his. Two point like nine million followers, but <laughs> um, <laughs> but he's doing good. He's doing good things. <laughs> yes. So uh, yeah, please stay tuned for episode forty nine. We'll uh, we will reveal our top five of two thousand seventeen. Um, we enjoy that you listen to ten through six. Jess, 
Where can they find you on the social medias? Well, on the interwebs, I am at JustQuaz on Twitter and at Quazica on Instagram. Awesome. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the pros, T-H-E-P-R-O-Z-E. Do you have uh, anything you'd like to plug, Jess? Um, just be kind to each other. Everyone just be nice. <laughs> Do one nice thing for someone else this week. That's what I'd like to plug. Humanity. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, That's it. Yeah. I don't know how many projects are right now, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, there's probably been, you. some people may have heard, there's a lot of controversy with YouTube. They raised their... Uh, Things they require for you to be a YouTube partner. YouTube partner meaning you can put ads, possibly earn money. Um, So, yeah, a lot of people who aren't mega stars on YouTube are losing their right to do that. One of which is, unfortunately, Entertainment Buffet. So, please... Um, I mean, we have people who watch our videos, like, but please hit that red button. I know it seems like tedious, but it, it really helps us out. Um, we, we probably won't be able to do it before the deadline, but we, we really would appreciate all the people who listen to this podcast to please hop on over to Entertainment Buffet on YouTube. We have web shows. We have uh, sketches, original sketches. You can watch uh, the play that we did this last summer, How Does It Make You Feel? Also, you can check out uh, on their uh, movie trailer trash, which they're also available on iTunes, but we make our episodes, uh, their episodes, available on Entertainment Buffet. We also have plenty of new stuff that's actually coming this year. One of my other resolutions was I've had some projects that have dated back to 2015 that haven't been finished yet. Well, 2018, I'm fucking finishing them. I have lit a fire under the editor's ass. You've probably heard me on this podcast a lot complain about editors. I lit a fire under their ass and said, come on, let's get shit done. Um, one of which is we posted an image of Mario Party Kills Friendships. That's a, sort of a mockumentary short film uh, that we did. Uh, we have Plan B, the web series, and some other videos. So please subscribe on YouTube. Um, I'm sure you've heard me talk about it enough, but we really could use your support over there as well. Uh, and we really appreciate your support here on the podcast. So spread the love on over to there. There's tons of old videos where you could find that Jess has cameos in that Jess produced before she left us in Illinois. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so check that out as well. And also, um, we're looking at having our next theatrical release for entertainment buffet we are going to be playing we are planning a show called out of this world we're aiming to have that to chicago stages in april may so stay tuned for that um you can make donations to entertainment buffet on our website entertainmentbuffet.com through paypal we appreciate the help and it works for my plug because the one nice thing you could do for someone else this week is to subscribe to the Entertainment Buffet YouTube channel. Look at that. How nice. <laughs> so nice. Everyone's so nice to each other. Yay. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for that episode 49 where you see where our top five of 2017 was. So much mystery. What could it be? Oh, my God. <laughs> we just have, like, the same, oh. like, four movies. Yeah. <laughs> My number one is the Emoji Movie. God damn it. (laughs) All right, bye.